Beth, we in the studio talking about volatile emotions. Many of us have gone through life trying to manage situations that are just out of our control. Maybe it was a dominant parent or rejection by your childhood peers or not enough of something that we felt we really needed. Whatever it was, whatever it is that's out of our control, we feel in a big way, but we respond in a small way. You know, the, the dominant parent won't tolerate us being angry, so we don't say anything. The judgmental sidekicks are packing together and bullying us, and we have no ability to tell them that they're hurting our feelings or they won't care, or they'll just laugh at us. Or, or maybe the thing you're short of, whether it's food on your plate or someone to listen to you, just doesn't show up, and there's no way out and no place to beg for it. Emotions, they go up and down, and, and we feel them, but we hide them too. And after we get used to hiding our emotions as a regular way of life, we begin to think that evading emotions is a great way to deal with them. It's a way to survive. It's how we're going to get through it. We just won't feel the emotions Sadly, this can set us up from an early age with patterns that work against our highest good. So like, what kind of patterns? How do they play out? Well, I'll give you a few scenarios to get you on board. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't blow up at others who bother you, but you give them attitude. You get short with your words or judgmental in your facial expression, and it settles you for a little bit. Um, but it's kind of like unscrewing a bottle of Coke and letting it fizz out so it doesn't explode. It's still in there. Or maybe it's number two. You, you don't express your emotions because you know nobody's going to understand them anyway. So you just don't say anything. Or three, you play the I could care less game in any new relationship from dating to employment. You're always chill and you're always flat. Or how about the fourth one? you shut up. You cut communication as a form of sideways or twisted control. The next one is one I've seen too often. Number five, you take it out on others, innocent bystanders and undeserving individuals that cross your path when you hit the blow up point, when you can't bottle it up anymore. Or number six, if you do share your heavy feelings with someone else and it doesn't go well, you vow to never share big feelings with anyone ever again. How about this one? Number seven, you only share opinions. You will never tell someone how you feel. Or number eight, you use sarcasm disguised as humor to cut people to shreds. Or nine, you shame yourself. You talk down to yourself as if be having big emotions is optional. <laughs> so there's something wrong with you. You're just a loser who can't be cool, calm, and collected. So you talk yourself to smithereens. Or number 10, you break down from time to time in tears and you're unable to control them. 
you just sob. Can you see yourself in any of these patterns? They seem almost natural to some of us because we grew up in so much dysfunction and we had to develop ways to survive the pain. It's not unusual to want to avoid pain. It's human nature. That's normal. Let's face it. Life on life's terms can hurt. So for many of this, this came from when we were really small. Many homes had tough issues for a youngster to deal with. They could be abuse, abandonment, alcoholism, substance abuse, unhealthy parents, mental illness, toxic teachings. You know, there's a million forms of family dysfunction. In some of these families, most of these families, communication was limited at best and non-existent at worst. But in most cases, children learn that it's not safe to share heavy emotions. Or worse, they don't see anyone safe with whom to share those emotions. So they do the only thing they know how to do. They stuff them. It's a natural response. It's the animal instinct in all of us calls us to fight, flight, or freeze. Think of an animal in nature. When they come up against something that threatens them, they react. Some fight. They'll stand their ground and defend it. Others take off. They take flight. They size up the situation and realize it's beyond their capabilities. They're out of here. They run. The last group is confronted, and they freeze. In some cases, they won't be detected by the enemy if they just freeze. I know there was times in my childhood where I became invisible. I did the last one. I froze. I became invisible, as if I stood still and didn't respond. They'd pass over me and go to somebody else. Each one of us reacts in one of these three ways. What sparks the response is strong emotion. You could be going through your day when an interaction sparks a strong emotional response. Fighting and running are two avenues that are relatively self-descriptive. But those of us, the ones like me who freeze, we set ourselves up because we will, we will deal with the emotion eventually. Just because we freeze or stuff the emotion doesn't mean the emotion wasn't there. It, it just means that it's going to come back later. I wrote a book for kids called Box of Feelings, and I talked about a box that you had, and you could stuff in disappointment. You could stuff in sadness. If you didn't even want them to know you were happy, you could stuff that in and keep a stone face. But the problem is, once you stuff an emotion in the box of feelings, it morphs, and it comes out as anger. You might have stuffed in a happy feeling, but it comes out anger. Disappointment, anger. Sadness, it comes out as anger too. Anybody listening have a memory of a blow-up like the one I just said? Something you stuffed in and it came out later and it wasn't pretty. Stuffing isn't the only time emotions become volatile because the environment isn't the only thing that triggers your emotions. Everybody has lived creating thoughts and memories, and these can trigger emotions just like they were happening currently. Have you ever lost a family member or a friend that you were close to? When you think of them, do you feel emotional? I don't mean that you're going to burst into tears, but do you feel sad? 
Or do you feel happy when you think of them smiling or something funny they used to say? Maybe you remember, you know, something to feel proud about, how good they were at something they did. Other emotions surface depending on the, you know, the person that you're thinking about or the story that you're telling. There's a Dr. Joy Malik. Uh, she's a psychotherapist. And she said that people who feel deeply tend to be sensitive and imaginative when telling a story. The way they interpret or view a situation is often unconsciously creative, filled with big emotions like rapture or despair. So, you know, a lot of us, they say 20% of people, Myers-Briggs does that survey, they say 20% of people are highly sensitive. And it can be a strength and a weakness. But let's face it, deep feelers are empathetic, intuitive, and in tune. They're excellent friends, partners, and parents. Sadly, we can become overwhelmed sometimes because being intensely tuned in to our own emotions and those of our loved ones can be some heavy work. Sometimes our emotional pipes can get backed up and when that happens, we need to take action. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. What action to take. Number one, take a break. We need time to process big emotions. You may even, to you may even need to name the emotion that you're feeling. Uh, it's kind of funny, but that's the start of bringing clarity and peace to your situation. Name what you're feeling. When I started this work, I couldn't name my emotions. I wasn't sure what I was feeling. And I had to learn what a feeling was, what an emotion felt like, and give it a name. Number two, ask yourself why. What story is behind this emotional overwhelm? What's going on? There may be a false truth triggering you, like, my opinion doesn't matter, or I can't make a difference anyway. You know, people always leave me. I'm not good enough. All of these old things that came from a child who was in a bad position and trying to make sense of it, those are where those thoughts come from. Are they true? No. They were in the moment a way a child could understand mistreatment, uh, over, you know, being neglected, not being seen, or worse, being seen but told to not be heard. They come from the past, and understanding where and when a false truth started will minimize its power to overtake you. Two treatments, I, I do, I recommend NET. It's a neuro-emotional technique, and I recommend EMDR, eye movement desensitizing and reprocessing therapy. They are becoming more prevalent in the therapeutic world. Look for a practitioner. The third thing, know how to break the mental hold. Often these ideas take over and we can't shake them. Before you fight, fly, or freeze, Change the MO. Do something that will refocus your attention and give your nervous system time to settle down. So what distracts you? Do you play a game on your phone while you're in a waiting room? Pull that out and play it. Are you into a good book? Pull it out and play it. Is there a TV or a movie that you love, a TV program or a movie that you love? Flip it on. Balance your checkbook. Whatever it is, they're all mind scenarios. Do something else with your mind. Do a crossword puzzle. Anything else with your mind. Break the, the mental hold. 
And number four, once you're no longer stressed, challenge the false belief that spurred the emotional upset. Your opinion does matter. Think of times when your opinion saved the day. You can make a difference. List ways you have been of service, for example. People don't always leave you. Who have you known for year, for years and years? Or I'm good at fill in the blank. We all have different talents. Maybe you're still freaked that I mentioned balancing a checkbook. <laughs> Maybe that's not your gift, but you have many gifts. Have you ever sat down and listed them? Maybe that's something you could do with your mind. The fifth thing is to learn to stay in the now. Feelings try to pull us out of this present moment and make us remember old times and worry about future times. Be mindful of the now. This is the moment of the higher power. You know, the higher power, when asked what his name was, his answer was, I am. He didn't say I was or I will be. He said, I am. Come back to the present moment where the higher power is and you can be strong. Be mindful of the now. Breathe. Practice. It will come as you seek it. It will be easier not to relax. Not to react. It will be easier to relax. You're going to get better and better at this. Volatile emotions. They're here. They happen. They're often from a time past. Sometimes from something we stuffed but they can be managed. Don't do it alone. Use your prayer and meditation and ask God to help you understand what you stuffed in the past, what the false belief is that you're responding to, and ask for help to renew your mind and let it change. It's time to take addiction out of the shadows and shine the encouraging light of recovery on everyone affected. Good Seed Podcast is powered by BethWE.com, a nonprofit ministry based in Vero Beach, Florida. We'll start the uncomfortable conversations that turn despair into hope and complacency into action. Connect, communicate, and thrive with us. Check us out online at BethWE.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk again soon.